You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. We made this statement last week. We're in a series called Change My Mind. As we've been asking God to to train us uh, for righteous thinking, to train us to to think with transformation in mind. So last week we, we made this statement: Christians, our soul has been changed by Jesus. Um, God's word calls this your soul or your heart has been saved by Christ. Uh, Paul calls calls it the inner man or the inner person has been rescued, been saved by Jesus. But but here's our problem: our flesh continues to, to battle us. I'm assuming that was thunder. Is it thunder? Okay. Our, our, uh, I just kind of wonder when I'm preaching, is this the return of the Lord? Am I, I'll make sure I didn't miss anything at all. Where was I? But our flesh, we are still here. Is that what you just said? But we're still here? This is true. But you're still here. I'm not always sure about the rest of your death is still here. But our flesh continues to, to battle against us. So what is the flesh? Well, the Bible calls this our, our passions, our, our lust, our, our desires. And we all get that in this room. Like this past 24 hours, you, you battled things that were ungodly. You, you battled lust. Lust is anything that our, our body wants that's forbidden by God. Um, you have battled your desires this past 24 hours, and you will again this week. It's, it's life in the flesh. It's life in a fallen world. Even though our, our inner person has been rescued, the, the old theologians would call it regenerated. We're a brand new person, and, and yet we continue in this, in this battle. Where does that battle take place? Well, it takes place in the mind. It takes place in, in our thoughts. Now, that, that might be a little bit of a simplistic statement, but it's not an incorrect statement. So therefore, controlling our thoughts, that, that's the key to victory as a, as a Christian. So the battle, let me say this, we make the mistake when we think that the battle is the tempting action. We make a mistake when we think the battle is the computer screen, or we think the battle is the person, or the battle is the prescription bottle. Or the battle is the big plate of food, or the battle is the dollar bills, or the battle is the lonely room. It's not any of those things, nor is it anything that you can actually see. You see, the battle is spiritual for the believer. It's going to happen in our minds long before it happens in the world. So that's our springboard statement. Let's, let's get to God's word. Let's go together to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. And let's, let's go to chapter 4 together. We'll start in verse 4, Philippians 4, 4. We'll read through a few verses. If you're relatively new to church or relatively new to opening your Bible or finding a book in the Bible, the book of Philippians is in the New Testament. It's 11 books in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, got the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So let's go there together. Philippians chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 4 together. And again, if you're new today... Um, Let me just say, don't close your Bible once we read it. We're going to go back through and make sure we understand this together. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. A little context, Paul's in prison as he's writing this. What what word does he go to? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. Think about these things. The battle we see in these verses is a battle for, for three things. We see the first thing in verse four, it's a battle for joy. For joy. We see in verse five, there's a battle for, for reasonableness. Your Bible might translate that gentleness. And there's a battle, verse seven, for, for peace. In fact, Paul uses battle language in this passage. We didn't read it, but back in verse one, he uses the word crown, which was a, a, a gift, a reward for the victor in battle, for the one who won the war, who won the battle, who won the competition. Also back in verse one, we did not read it, but, but Paul uses that phrase to stand firm. That's a military term for do not retreat, do not give up ground. Then verse seven, we read that, the word guard. This is a very interesting word. The, the word guard is all throughout the New Testament, but not this word for guard. Uh, this word, frueo, and guard, is only used three times in all the New Testament. It has a very particular meaning. It means to stand guard at a fort. You're guarding something that's, that's very valuable. You're guarding something that has great worth to it. Why is it, Highland and friends, why is it that we battle for joy? Why is it that we, we have to battle for, for gentleness and, and, and for peace? Let's, let's just be honest. Gentleness and peace and joy don't come naturally. Do you know what does come naturally? Stress and worry. And, and a sense of being overwhelmed sometimes. What, what comes naturally to us? Despair and discouragement. And when you go through difficult times and, and the doctor calls with a report that you had hoped you would not get, and your circumstances are not getting better, in fact, they're just kind of spiraling downwardly, when anxiety is amping up for you, have you noticed that joy just doesn't seem natural? When we're stressed or when we're on edge and we snap at our kids or snap at our spouse or we, we, we fire off words quickly to, to our roommates or to our coworkers, and, and, and life just kind of seems like we're right there on the edge. Gentleness just does not seem that natural to us. Or when we're walking through the unknown or walking through fearful times, peace just doesn't seem natural. So we have to battle in our minds for joy, for gentleness, for peace. God's word is reminding us, even in this passage here, that especially in, especially in verse eight, and we didn't read verse nine, but verse nine speaks also about, about practicing these things. Here's what God's word reminds us. What you think determines how you'll live. That really is a theme all throughout scripture. The book of Proverbs speaks in vast volumes on this, this thought. The New Testament speaks to this. We see this in this passage. It's really been what we've been talking about the past four weeks in this series of Changed My Mind. What you think determines how you will live. And this is so important for us to understand. What you think determines how you're going to live your life. What you think and how you learn to think determines really who you are. That's what this passage is, or this, is, this entire passage is saying. It's a bold statement, so let me go back to Scripture and let Scripture say the same thing to you. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, you see on the screen, as a man thinks, so he is. 
As a person thinks, that's how you're going to live life. As a person thinks, that's who you are. There's a, there's a direct relationship between thought and action. Let me give you a familiar accounting of this. You don't have to turn there, but it's in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, well, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to her eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And also she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Did you see that? Did you see where the sin started? It wasn't when they ate the fruit. It started when when Eve heard the adversary say, oh, you won't die. I mean, if you eat this tree, your eyes are going to be open. In fact, you'll be just like God. You'll be able to determine what is good and and what is evil. Now, there's a ton of things we could talk about right here, and I won't, won't take all the time for that today. But Satan was basically saying, hey, Eve, you can be the determiner yourself of what is good and what is evil. It's up to you, Eve, not up to God. And then Eve, so important, she thinks about it. We even see that in the last portion, still on the screen. She saw that the tree was good for food, and she thought about it. It was a delight to her eyes. She thought about it. That tree was something to be desired to make someone wise. And then she takes the fruit, and she eats it. You see, sin always starts in the mind, and the action will always follow. Sin always starts in our mind. We begin to think that our ways are better than God's ways. We begin to think that, that our wisdom is better than God's wisdom. But let me just let me show this to you, if you don't mind. Rebellion begins here. Any act of rebellion against God always begins with our thoughts. Let me say it one more time. What you think determines how you live. The Bible instructs us, again, all throughout Old Testament and New Testament about our our thinking because we all struggle here. Let's just put this on the table. Let's just be honest today. In fact, there's there's moms all around. You can't fool a mom. So let's just be really honest with us, all of us here today. We all have battles that take place in our mind. And all of us in this house and all who are watching online, we all easily can get to a place where our thoughts can start spiraling downward in unhealthy ways that lead us to disappointment, to despair, to anxiety, to bitterness, to discouragement, to unkindness. Thoughts that lead us to speak, thoughts that lead us to act in ways that we really did not want to say those things. We did not even want to do those things. It always begins with a thought. Here's a, maybe a deeper way to say that. You can write this down also if you want to. We don't always choose our circumstances, but we do choose our thoughts in those circumstances. I mean, let's just, let's just, again, put this on the table, be honest with one another. There's a lot of things that happen in life over which we have no control. I think about things like cancer and car wrecks, other people hurting you or leaving you 
or firing you or speaking poorly about you. Think about a death of a family member. Think about a death of a friend or, or being betrayed. And that list could just go on and on and on. You have zero percent control over the circumstances that are happening to you in life, yet you have 100% control of your thoughts in the middle of those circumstances. So what if instead of all these unchosen circumstances in life that we have, what if our questions began to turn like this? God, where are you sovereign in this situation? God, will you show me where your promises are in this circumstance? Will you show me what you're telling me about myself or yourself, even in the middle of the most difficult circumstance of life? What if we moved from being people that just think do to being people who think stop, do or don't do according to God's good pleasure? Let me clarify a very important thing here. You will not be able to choose wisely in the middle of a difficult situation, you will not be able to choose in a Godward direction in the middle of a difficult circumstance, circumstance if you are not submitted to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because you have no power to even think in the middle of difficult circumstances without the presence of the Holy Spirit and your life being submitted to Christ. Make sure we're all on the same page here. You can't choose your thoughts wisely if you don't belong to Jesus. You see, self-help and And that power of positive thinking, those are extremely futile. That's not what we're talking about here at all. Self-help and and positive thinking basically says, oh, you'll be a much better person if somehow you can just kind of have a better version of yourself through positive thoughts. That's not what God is calling us to in his word. God does not call you to a better version of yourself. He is calling you to be a new you. And that can only be accomplished with Christ in you. We're talking about the new person. So what are we to choose to, to think about? What should we fix our minds on? If we're in the middle of a battle, what should we be thinking about? I'm so glad you would ask that question because God's word is so clear here in verse 8. Hope your Bible's still open. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, sisters, family of God, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, here's our operative word, think. I underlined it in my Bible, think. Think about these things. Now this list here is pretty comprehensive. Did you see that the word whatever is used six times? It's a very broad statement that the Lord gives us here. Our brains are active, and so God has given us these wide open spaces of things that we can think about, things that we should think about. So let's just go through this very quickly. Number one, what should you be thinking about this week? Whatever is true. The battle in our mind is won by believing what is true. But just the opposite. You will lose every battle every time if you believe what is false about God. Don't believe me? Ask Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world and destroyed their lives, destroyed our lives when they believed what was false and untrue about God. So fix your mind instead on what is true about God. What is true about you that God says about you, not on what others say about you, what others think about you. So much despair 
is grounded in the lies that we believe about who God is or lies that we believe about who we are or are not in Christ. Those lies just flood in from the world day in and day out. That's why reading God's word is so vital because we're bombarded with a million messages every single week. So if scripture is not guiding our thoughts, we'll surely be conformed to the patterns of this world. If we're, if we're not allowing the transformation of the renewing of our mind, that will never happen unless we're fixing our minds on the truth of God's word. And the very first thing is whatever is true. Here's the second thing. Whatever is honorable. This is a great word. Your, your, your Bible might have rendered that word noble in, in your translation. The picture here is basically the phrase, a higher plane. Like a, a heavenly thought. The picture is about thinking about things on a higher plane. Things that are worthy of awe. Worthy of, of wonder. So much of what we're prone to. To fix our minds on today. The things that we do think about however. So often are on a lower plane. They're simply. I apologize mom and dad for saying this word. They're stupid. And meaningless. And dirty. God says here, I want you to lift up your minds. Don't live down here. Don't think down here. Instead, I want you to lift your minds to to higher thoughts, again, to those things that evoke awe and wonder of God, to the things that really matter. So here's some questions we can ask. What matters most? What matters forever? What matters honorably? Fix your mind on those things. Here's the third thing. Whatever is just. God's word is calling us to fix our minds on the things that are just and right and good according to God to fix our mind on on justice to consider this this is what we should be considering are my thoughts right are my thoughts fair are my thoughts impartial are they just for others and just about others and this is a kick in the seat of the pants thought right here because we like to think about ourselves first And then maybe somewhere farther down in our thinking process, we'll think about other people. But God's word is calling us to think about what is, what is, what is just. I mean, I've been watching the news as well, but you need to know this. Justice movements are not a new thing. God's been calling his New Testament people to justice for 2,000 years now. That God's people, we should be on the front end of considering, thinking about the oppressed and, and the poor and the unborn and the innocent, and the hungry, and the marginalized. This is what God is calling us to think about. God is not saying, throw your brain away and don't think. He's saying, no, I want you to think about the things that are true, and that are honorable, and that are filled with justice. Here's the next word, whatever is pure. Pure motives, and pure desires, and pure words, and pure truth, and pure thoughts. And this extends to so many facets of our life. Certainly sexual purity. To flee any and all sexual thoughts outside of marriage between you and your spouse. So God is saying, I want you to fix your minds on sexual purity. I want you to fix your minds on on moral purity, on purity in worship, on, on purity in the work. Whatever you have to think purely about it. Here's the fifth thing. Whatever is lovely. Remember how the Bible describes the word love in First Corinthians chapter 13, what if you just kind of substituted that that we can start thinking about whatever is patient and whatever is kind, whatever is humble, whatever is not envious, 
what is not boastful, what is not arrogant, what is not rude, what is not self-seeking. This is how love is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Whatever is not irritable, whatever is not resentful, maybe we should start asking ourselves this question. Is the thought I'm having lovely? We don't ask that question of ourselves. I don't ask that question of myself. Is, Is that thought lovely? That's a great thing to think. Plus, you sound a little British when you say it also. If you can throw in a little British accent. Is that thought lovely? <laughs> my British accent sounds just like my Waco accent. But that was actually a British accent just then. Is that a lovely thought that I'm having? We, we need to ask ourselves those types of questions. Here's the last one. Whatever is commendable. I find this one more fascinating than the other five. Whatever is commendable. Here's what God's word is saying. This is fascinating to me. Would you commend a particular thought that you're having to someone else so that they could be encouraged by the thought you were thinking. Rewind that a little bit. It's like a recommendation letter. Would you recommend your thoughts to someone else? Would you commend what you're thinking about to another believer that they might be encouraged and built up in the faith because of the thoughts that, that you are having. This is exactly what Paul is, is saying here. Fix your mind on things that if someone else was in your mind, and that's a terrifying proposition for most of us, I know. If someone else was walking around your brain, would they be encouraged in the most holy faith? Or discouraged? Would they be built up in the faith that you have, the trust that you have in the Lord, the worship, the adoration you have for God? Would they be built up and encouraged by what you are thinking about? This is exactly what Paul is saying here. Whatever you're thinking about, is it something else you would want another Christian to think about? And then he just adds in here at the very end of verse 8. If there's anything, so we go from whatever six times to now anything that is excellent, and here it is again, or anything worthy of praise. I love this list, Highland, because it's so comprehensive. When you put all these things together, we begin to see this discipline to stop and think about what we're thinking about. This is an incredibly powerful spiritual discipline that we can exercise that impacts every facet of our lives. So let me close today by giving you a homework assignment, which I know is a horrible thing to do on Mother's Day And as you're wrapping up this semester, many of you who are in high school, middle school, hate to give you one more homework assignment, but but here it is. As the semester wraps up, as this series begins to start closing down, I have a a quiz for you. Now, if if you don't want joy, you don't want gentleness, you don't want peace, you can skip this assignment if you'd like to. Number one, in what specific ways do I need to replace untrue thoughts with true thoughts? What are you prone to think that's untrue about God, about life, about the faith, about his word? What am I prone to think that is not true and how can I replace it with things that are true? What's true, what's not true in the way that we're thinking right now? Secondly, in what specific ways do I need to replace dishonorable thoughts for honorable thoughts. Remember, the, the word honorable means to think on a higher plane. So let me just ask you this question. How often do you think up here and how often do you just think down here? 
How often is your thoughts about honorable things, thinking on a higher plane, things that evoke awe and wonder of God, the majesty of God? Or how often do we spend time thinking about dishonorable things, thinking lowly? Number three, you'll see the pattern here. What specific ways do I need to replace unjust thoughts with just thoughts? God, would you bring to the surface things in my life, thoughts in my life that are prone toward prejudice and prone toward pride and prone toward injustice? Here's the fourth thing. This might hit a lot of us. In what specific ways do I need to replace impure thoughts with pure ones? I mean, could you just take a catalog of your thinking the last 48 hours? I mean, how many of those thoughts were pure thoughts? Again, that same word, honoring to God. Or how many of those thoughts that we had, even in the last 48 hours, were instead about, about ungodly desires, ungodly passions, ungodly motives? Maybe the question that's being begged of all of us today is what's impure about our thinking and what is pure about our thinking? The fifth one, we're, we're wrapping up here, is just six of them. In what specific ways do I need to replace unlovely thoughts with lovely thoughts? Again, I'll shorten the time period. In the last 24 hours, what would be categorized in your thinking processes as lovely? Again, the word right, the word beautiful, the word honorable, uh, the word pure. All those words can be interchanged there. But the question is, what are some unlovely thoughts that I've had that need to be exchanged out with lovely thoughts? And here's the sixth thing. Again, my favorite one of them all. In what specific ways do I need to replace uncommendable thoughts with commendable thoughts? Would I recommend my thinking to you? And if you took my thinking, would it be helpful to your thinking? Would it be building you up in the faith? Would it encourage you? Would it edify you to use a good New Testament word? Just picture someone stepping into your mind. What would they find there that was discouraging? What would they find there that was encouraging? Replace the uncommendable thoughts with that which would be good for them, which would build them up If people could see your thoughts, would it encourage them in Christ or discourage them in Christ? We would hope that they would see our thoughts, that they would grow, they would thrive in our thinking. So in asking these six questions specifically, I want us to ask God to transform our minds, to to renew our thinking. I'm hoping that these six questions gave you some parameters, gave you some things to even think about that we might experience the joy, the gentleness, the peace that God has designed us for in Christ Jesus. Oh God, would you change my mind? The way I think, what I think about, I pray that my thoughts this coming week I could put into any of your thoughts any of your minds, and you would not be discouraged, but encouraged in the faith. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for being so gracious, God, that you tell us how to think. You're not asking us to to throw our, our thinking out, to throw our minds out. Instead, God, you've given us such incredible things to consider the things that are lovely, the things that are true, the things that are honorable, the things that are just, that are pure, that are right, that that we can recommend our thinking to others. God, anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, 
God, thank you for being such a comprehensive God. You have given us so many things to think about this week. And our actions will always follow our thinking. So, Father, if we're understanding your word correctly, when we think pure things, then we will live a pure life. If our thoughts are honorable, we'll live an honorable life. If our thinking is true, we'll live a true life. If our thought patterns are just, then we'll live a life of justice. So God, thank you for reminding us again today that how we think determines how we're going to live. And God, there's no way we can do this disconnected from your Holy Spirit and disconnected from your Holy Word. So God, even this next song we sing is a song pleading for your grace this week in the way we think, in the battlefield of the mind. We know our passions. We know our desires. We know our lusts. So God, we're going to need you to help us to think about these things. In the name of Christ, we have been in your word. In the name of Christ, we have entered into the presence of God. And in the name of Christ, we sing.